This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What is going on, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. This episode was pretty unique. Uh, we've never had anybody on the podcast that had any uh, kind of equipment uh, or products like what we're going to uh, hear today from Victor at the Multi-Phase Energy Corp. Uh, they're essentially replacing surface equipment to kind of uh, help improve flow dynamics, which would extend the life of uh, a lot of different wells and also kind of make it cheaper. Uh, so really, really interesting episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast ever, the Willing Guest Startups Podcast. The best podcast. Best podcast ever. <laughs> we are joined with our buddy, Victor Firesoff. Firesoff. There we go. <laughs> I pretty much got it done this time. You just drove in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. You are from the Soviet Union, but your headquarters is in Mexico City, but you're in Albuquerque. Do you live in Albuquerque? Yeah. Okay. Time. Okay. But your, but your dad's down in Mexico City? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. How long of a drive was it from Albuquerque to... Houston. So I think about 900 miles. Oh, yeah. Not really bad. Not too bad. <laughs> you know how many episodes of this podcast you could get through in 900 miles? No, he said a he binge listened to our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was actually my favorite thing about driving. So, I mean, I absolutely hated driving from here to Northern California and back uh, about two years ago, but I got to listen to pretty much the entire John D. Rockefeller autobiography, which is like 35 oh. hours on the drive there and the drive back. My wife absolutely hated just hammer through the entire just thing. Just hammer through the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, you so. have to switch things a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I put up music every <laughs> yeah. once in a while, but I mean, I was just like, I'm committed to this, to this, this auto. Depends if you're driving by yourself or with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so you are, you're one of the co-founders uh, with your father, uh, Yuri. Um, I'm not going to try to say the last name again, but you guys have started the Multi-Chem Energy Corp, right? Multi-phase. 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 Well, not Multi-Chem. Multi-Chem is a different business. Yeah, Multi-Phase. Multi-Phase yeah. Energy Corp. <laughs> so at a high level, like, what do you guys do? At a high level, so we started, um, our company simulates multi-phase flow in pipelines and wells. Okay. So we have been very, we have uh, become very proficient in modeling this type of flow. And uh, we have been doing this for like the past 15 years. And then the past two, two or three years, we came up with uh, two systems. Like after looking mm -hmm. 15 years at this, how things flow, what happens, we started, you know, came up with some ideas and uh, we one of the issues was uh, well after looking at all these pipelines, and the uh, clients asking us, okay, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You know, is there a solution? Mm -hmm. And uh, most of the time, we try to assemble some uh, solution from off-the-shelf components or off-the-shelf services, mm -hmm. and it was sometimes it wasn't possible. So we came up with the one system, which was a flushing system for uh, flow lines and pipelines, and then immediately after that. Uh, we translated that same idea for horizontal wells. So, uh, as soon as when, because we understand this flow and the basically uh, oil and gas industry's flow of products, mm -hmm. uh, that has a big impact on a lot of things from operations to uh, what you do, how you pretty mm -hmm. much everything. It's, it's so. So, what are, you, what are you guys trying to accomplish with with the devices that you guys are building? So with these two devices, initially it was a, a solution for corrosion, prevention of corrosion and okay. flow assurance issues. Mm -hmm. And then it transformed as, uh, you know, we started looking at it and um, 
it transformed into a bigger thing as soon as we figured out, okay. As well, things usually do. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we combined this, uh, initially, as soon as we came up with these two technologies, we realized, okay, once, well, if you put this, uh, you know, the flushing system plus the uh, pumping system for artificial lift, you put them together, it, uh, results in an interesting system. And I had this idea like for the past two years, okay, this is like a big thing, you know, it, uh, it's important. And then I've been driving back and forth several times through Midland and Odessa and uh, all these places and noticing things. And uh, I realized like, wait, I think this is a good application for uh, unconventional oil and gas. Because uh, in unconventional oil and gas, uh, especially in uh, shelfies like this, you see a lot of surface facilities, like you guys are probably, uh, as in, you said, desensitized to this type of thing, but it's, uh, by surface facilities, I mean, uh, all these storage tanks and mm-hmm. um, heater treaters and, and uh, vessels and, and pretty much a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, in addition to the rod pumps. I mm-hmm. mean, you have all, a lot of well pads, that's unavoidable, you're gonna have those. Yeah. But in addition to that, you have all that. Thing. And then uh, you have all this gas issue. And uh, I was looking, I was driving through, you know, several times and basically uh, about a month ago, uh, well, actually, no, it was December. Uh, the last time I drove through before like this time. And I was uh, thinking through this thing and then come back and talk with my father. You know what? Something's not right here. It's, uh, you know, this jet fuel smell all over the place. <laughs> this is different from, you know, all the other oil fields, you know, we have been around and we have been around in uh, oil fields in Mexico, pretty much everything from onshore, offshore, uh, in the Middle East. So, and the, after seeing, first of all, we saw that, uh, that's that smell thing. And then uh, this number of facilities. And then... I think anyone that's been out in West Texas, they know that smell that you're talking about. Like there's a very distinct... Mm-hmm. It's just smell. Crude, it's just crude oil. Thing. Yeah, and it's not not pretty much not not H two S. Yeah, uh, I mean maybe there's like some space. You know, I feel like Cushing's the same way. You drive through Cushing and yeah. you just smell oil. Yeah, it's just but uh, so and the thing is like comparing that to other places. I've been that wasn't the case, you know. And yeah. uh, the places, uh, the locations I've been to, they had like sixty thousand barrels, hundred thousand barrels, or like probably the only one like a large one was like half a million. Like all their offshore production was coming to that location, so. Uh, I was like, well, this is uh, what's happening. And then we come back, we started analyzing things and we're starting to kind of really go in depth. You know, now that after COVID, you know, things are, things are a bit slow. Mm-hmm. So you have time to focus on, okay, let's focus on, you know, this market because uh, America, it's been the market we've been uh, longer focusing on entering. And uh, it's a tough because it's different. And like the whole system is different from uh, what you see uh, overseas because it's, uh, you know, the whole uh, setup, it's overseas, it's a national oil company over here, you have a bunch of uh, private companies, I'm, I'm, you know, a mix of everything. Yeah. And then the physical system is different. Yeah. And then uh, we have been waiting like, okay, you know, consistent, like we, de- we dealt with mostly with corrosion before this. So we've been wondering, okay, yeah, they just built their systems and uh, the way things are going, you know, they're going to have start corrosion soon. So, you know, just going to wait. But then nothing was happening. And then we started realizing, okay, uh, what, what's going on here? And then in, uh, so like in the beginning of this year, we sit down, sat down and started looking at the uh, system like from fresh set of eyes. 
you know, new data from the field, let's say this field trip, short field trip that I made. And we observed that, uh, first of all, that there's uh, all these um, wells, they have, in addition to uh, being all over the place, they are, uh, they have, the, they have the, this numerous, uh, just a big quantity of uh, surface facility, which is not the case for uh, traditional fields. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have been using um, one good thing that was, uh, I guess, I suppose it's, uh, it helps with the field development is um, uh, these plastic pipelines, you know, from the rod pump to whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. to your, uh, so that's, uh, it gives you like a lot of flexibility. Yeah. And we realized like, okay, well, that's good. So, uh, so, so what's, what's the downside to having all of these surface facilities in, in your mind? Well, the downside is, uh, is it the cost, the maintenance, or is it something else we're not seeing? Yeah, there's two things happening. Uh, we first, well, our question was, why are they doing it this way? Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of these operators, they have, uh, they are large operators and they have facilities in Alaska or pretty much, uh, on other parts of the world and they're, they're, they're different. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, uh, for example, you go to uh, some of the SPE magazines and stuff, uh, you look at uh, early 2000s, uh, how like they were advertising most of the uh, field development was uh, just either a large uh, floating platform or onshore it was like a large uh, centralized facility mm -hmm. and all the wells uh, are connected to it, nothing in between. And uh, we looked at uh, the, the development here in the Shinshale and of course, uh, for the past like 15 years, it was a, as I guess you could call it a wild west. You know, everybody was you know just going and prove your uh, yeah. your production and sell it. And we we're expecting that it was it's just like a temporary thing that you know it's product. Uh, I think it's called the explosion or appraisal. Mm -hmm. And we we're just waiting for that infrastructure build out. Okay, so okay, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And then we're here, 2021, and it's the same setup. It's just it's just more of the, you know this, this uh, yeah. the same thing repeated all over the place, and then uh, that's that creates a lot of problems. Uh, first of all, that smell mm -hmm. can be contributed to. Uh, uh, we I mean, our opinion is uh, that's a big contributor. That type of uh, oh, it's called uh, wellhead separation or close to wellhead separation, where your first stage separator is about half a mile from the oil pan. Yeah. So typically, like in other places we worked, it's three, four miles. So it's a big difference, you know, and you make a square, how many facilities you're going to have. Yeah. And then uh, since you have uh, all these storage tanks and uh, there's all, they're all over the place, it's difficult to maintain uh, pressure and, you know, the separation pressure. So you're going to have a lot of uh, evaporation mm. from your, um, from your storage tanks. So, so that's uh, I mean, you're supposed to you're supposed to have VRUs and all that stuff, but then, uh, yeah, uh, you know, looking at the balance sheets and everything. I mean, you can uh, look at evaporation on tanks too. Yeah, like, like that's all, there's even a, there's a reason why tanks are painted the way that they are because certain colors, I guess, prohibit large amount of evaporation, particularly in large storage tanks. Yeah, they're supposed to, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you have so many of them, and uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, and uh, some other facilities. So instead of having like these larger centralized surface facilities, you know, out in West Texas around the Permian, you know, you have a bunch of, I'll just say, a larger volume of smaller facilities within a tighter proximity. You know, where you're saying 
typically you'd see it three to four miles between wellhead and separator or whatever it may be, you know, out there it's half a mile. And so you guys think that that's actually a big contributor to a lot of the, uh, that, that smell that you smell. Is, yeah, there's just a lot um, of leak off and evaporation off of those facilities. The facility, I mean, the, 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 um, so after your separator, uh, once uh, your food goes from the separator to the storage tank, uh, you're not separating at atmospheric pressure. So, or, I mean, maybe you are, but I don't know. But if you're not, then that small, I mean, that small difference in pressure will result in a big release of gas. So Interesting. And you're supposed to have a VRUs, but I don't know, like, if they have them or not. And then... Yeah. Uh, what's, a, what's a VRU? Uh, vapor recovery unit. Okay. So... Uh, and it's, I mean, if you, even if you have them, it's just expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. you put all those things. And uh, I mean, all the engineers, they, they, they're aware of it. This, this type of thing, it's, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're thinking, why are they doing this type of thing? I mean, it's the same company. Same companies, you know, just uh, what the heck, you know? Yeah. And then uh, it's, uh, it's we kind of, our, our beliefs, like from our perspective, uh, we're flow guys. Uh, and... Um, and the specific, it's a very specific type of flow. Uh, everybody assumes that uh, as soon as stuff goes from the reservoir to the wellbore, it just goes magically upwards <laughs> from the lateral to the pump, and then from the pump up, you know, to to the um, to the surface. Yeah. But uh, it's actually not the case uh, because uh, even if you're flowing about thousand barrels of uh, fluid per day, and you have a four inch pipe, uh, four inch lateral, it's not a that's not a very fast uh, velocity for uh, yeah. fluid flow. So does that create issues if the velocity yeah. is not quick? Yeah, that creates a lot of issues. Wait, that's, what kind that's of issues are we issue. talking about? That's that's the primary. That's the issue. Okay, so, so that's the main issue that we're talking about. Here. So it's really, issue, yeah, it's really like, the the flow velocity yeah. is not what it should be, well, and therefore it caught. Does it cause? I mean, is it mostly downhole issues, or are we talking about surface issues? It's uh, they're related. Okay. It's, uh, it's a system that's connected from bottom hole to surface yeah. and from surface to uh, your delivery sales point. Mm-hmm. So uh, if something happens down the hole, it kind of limits what you can do on the surface and then you keep going, you know, into that, that direction. Yeah. So, so what is the main thing that it impacts? Is it just, does it affect the pressure and then ultimately over time affects the UR or? So uh, from our perspective, uh, we see that uh, there is a, you, these wells are using hydraulic fracturing Mm-hmm. And by that, uh, in that process, you use a lot of uh, sand that's pumped in the formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you start producing that flow, uh, it's, some of it's going to flow back. Some operators go and clean it up. But then uh, over time, if you need like a couple of barrels to plug up the uh, lateral, and those fines are going to keep coming out, and they will sooner or later, they will impair production. Mm-hmm. And then also the uh, oil water flow, it's... Uh, very slow, so that creates uh, um, issues. And one of the biggest problems is uh, as soon as your reservoir pressure declines and you keep producing, like you're past IP like two, three years, uh, you have to keep lowering your rod pump. You have to put them in your artificial lift system. Yeah. And then you have to keep lowering and lowering the, the you know, the pump uh, closer yeah. to the heel. And there is uh, there comes a time where you cannot do it further mm-hmm. because of that heel and below that heel, you're going to have water and that's just going to basically kill your well. Yeah. So So with the system that you guys have built or are in the process of building, you're essentially increasing the longevity of the life of the well, right? That's correct. So we have we have been like in our our objective has been to transform shale from a IP 
mm-hmm. type of uh, you know exploitation to a long-term value-producing asset. You know, kind of everybody mm-hmm. wants to. You know, as soon as everybody yeah. thinks of oil and gas, you know, and oil company, they think like, oh, it's a good thing I have for like forty years or so. And yeah, it's a thirty-year well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then with shale, it's like everybody's like IP two, three years. You know, good. And after that, then what? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, th- there's a lot of questions there that uh, we just went back to the assumptions mm-hmm. of what people are, you know, thinking. It's uh, just going to revisit the whole thing how what it happened what what what's happening yeah so uh yeah that's uh this issue with the um with the artificial lift it uh, basically prevents your vertical rod pump to uh, from operating uh the way they do in vertical wells mm-hmm. so you're hindered in that uh, in their operation so that folk, that forces what we, we think that forces the operators to uh, maintain a low casing pressure, and because of that, you cannot put your uh, surface facilities for you know more than half a mile away. Mm. So, because if if you do it, well, that's fine. But as soon as your reservoir uh, pressure declines and your fluid level uh, goes down, your well dies off. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's just not enough juice to even get it to the facility yeah. if it's too far. Too far. And then there's another issue with, uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of related. It's uh, these, uh, from what we understand, this shale oil, shale oils are very paraffinic. Yeah. So as soon as uh, they go to the surface, you have to figure out how to transport them. So if you have a long flow line and you just like put it in the, it just fills up a paraffin half it, the time. It will cool, it will yeah. cool off and it will fill up your... You have to be yeah. doing hot oiling or something yeah. every two weeks or so. So mm-hmm. that's when that's another thing that prevents, you know, the buildup of large, um, longer flow lines. Mm. Okay. So I'm looking at... If anyone's listening to this podcast, they can't see what I'm looking at, but I'm looking at the... Uh, the system. Yeah, the system. And so it looks really interesting. Like I've never seen something like this out on a wellhead before. So explain to us how this actually, how this works. It looks like there's, you have the piece that's the maps AL and the maps V. So how does this actually work to increase the velocity of fluids? I mean, I just see it like, you know, connecting into the casing valve here on the wellhead in this, in this picture. How does it actually operate? Okay. So uh, this, <laughs> yeah, this whole no, this concept, is, yeah, we just very uh, technical. Yeah, this is not, I'll try to explain it, as, you know, as simple as possible <laughs> yeah. without. Uh, yeah, explain it to of, me like I'm not an engineer because yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's 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 my job. Uh, so we call this uh, this whole concept of uh, uh, highly consolidated production. It's a new upstream gathering technique, and by gathering, we mean gathering from the horizontal wellbore to the delivery point. So we combined that maps AL, the pumping system, mm-hmm. and the flushing system for the flow lines. They go at the well pad. They go. They we place them at the well pad. Uh, everything else, you remove it. You put one. Let's say you have a four by four um, square, uh, four by four miles square. Yeah. You put like one centralized facility. You take all your existing, what you have, uh, separators, heater treaters. Put them everything in that centralized location. Yeah, and then you connect all your nearby wells in that square. You run your uh, um, 
the metallic spools, uh, metallic pipe spools, yeah. just all around them to that centralized location. Yeah. And this is going to be like three, four miles. Yeah. And uh, what the, the system does, the map sale, it changes and the maps V, they change how th- fluid flows in the pipe and how everything's flowing. I mean, it's not, um, it creates like a flushing action. So it, it allows for fluid to be, uh, to enter the well bore. And then we depressurize, we, there's a thing that the map sale does on the surface. It uh, increases the volume of the casing mm. temporarily, super quickly. And then that will allow the gas in the casing to expand. Yeah. And that will decrease the pressure in the casing very quickly. And that will uh, rapidly be transmitted downhole. And uh, you're basically creating like a... The easiest way to visualize this is um, when you open the choke of a well. You have a choke. What's uh, opening a choke of a well? If you have a a well that has a valve, uh, it's like partially closed. You just kind of open it quickly, mm-hmm. and uh, it will yeah, yeah, quick flush. bump. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing that in a controlled manner, cyclically every time. Yeah, all day long, and that allows you to lift the fluids from the horizontal section without having any sort of devices in the horizontal section. It's an artificial lift system without anything downhole. Yeah, which I was sounds say completely crazy. It doesn't look like there's anything downhole. Yeah. This is all surface equipment. Correct. Right? Because yeah, uh, that's why I'm trying to wrap my head around this. I'm yeah, like, that's uh, the surface mounted artificial lift system. Yeah, because uh, and the the point of that is uh, when we were designing this stuff, most of the requirement I mean, at least from the operators we worked with, their requirements were whatever you propose to me, it has to be very simple. It has to be easily deployed, easily maintained. And uh, yeah, it just has to be simple. So is it actually is it is it a new type of wellhead or is it something that's installed something? No, else it's just a, it's a, it's an arrangement of pipes and okay. valves, mm-hmm. and there's like a small uh, uh, pump there, a small um, mm-hmm. uh, water pump, and that's it. There's no moving parts. Uh, they look strange like that because there's a reason for that. There's a, it's a little flow related. Yeah, you know, like yeah. all of those. Are, <laughs> Uh, you know, bends it's, and elbows. It's there's, uniquely shaped, but yeah, I figured there's a reason for it's, it. To uh, get you, max you, you look at it and you're like, "What's happening here?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's a. I've always been interested in flow from from a car perspective, especially like when you're building cars. You have to look at the way like airflow flows into mm-hmm. either through turbos or through an air intake, and there's a lot of craziness that goes on with that. Even on the exhaust side, yeah. the way that exhaust manifolds Correct. are, particularly on turbo cars, and how those are generated to get as much flow to those turbos mm-hmm. to create as much horsepower as possible. So, I mean, completely different topic, but I think this yeah, is that, absolutely I mean, fast, fascinating. Well, flow is, that's actually how I got into all this thing. I mean, uh, I was, when I was doing my uh, project, uh, you know, my uh, project for uh, my bachelor's degree, yeah. I kind of got involved in uh, some experiments my father was doing in the, in the lab. And it was very visual. It's a transparent pipe and you have like oil water flow and it looked interesting. Like, what is this? You know, and that's how, you know, 10 years and after that. And that's I'm how here. you got sucked into it. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> so um, and the, the cool thing about that was it, uh, I was able to see things in the lab and I was able to see immediately how it was being uh, applied in the field. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, my father had a project with um, uh, the oil company and the universe and um, at the place he was working at. So, mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. So, yeah. we'll, so so let's dive into that. We we've talked so usually we we're going to your background. Let, let, so let's can I finish? Yeah, 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 that, go ahead. Uh, I'll finish the, the the question about how the the system was working. Uh, well, it works. So 
to recap that it's we put uh, maps AL and maps V on the well pad. It's just so you, so you put both on both, on both, both okay. things. They're small. It's like about of size of a like half of a truck container. And it's okay. gonna be on each well, right? So if you have a five well pad, you have uh, one. On you each can well. you can combine them. You can just make one of them. Uh, okay. How, how many wells can you run on on these? Depends. I mean, you just size it differently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or uh, sure, it just depends nervous. on. It depends mostly on the uh, depth uh, of the of the, of the well. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a complicated answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it's not it's not big. I mean, it's like about you know the biggest one is the size of a truck uh, uh, truck container. Okay. So that's and, and you, know, you you make it pretty and it's going to be noticeable in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is going to be your artificial lift system. So you put your rod pump in the vertical section. Mm-hmm. And uh, the purpose of that is uh, you, your rod pumps in the vertical section, they work for forever. You know, they, they have like a, leak, uh, you have a failure frequency of 0.1 or something per, per year. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that's the big problem with the horizontal wells is uh, as soon as your fluid level goes down and you have to lower your pump and, you know, go closer to the heel, power increases, uh, your expenses increase and your failing frequency goes upwards. You know, yeah. I think it uh, from the data that... Um, was published by the operators. It can be like up to fifteen thousand per month, wow. in you know average uh, repairs yeah. or workovers or whatever you need to do to make it work. So you add that to all that's happening right now, and it just your well becomes a maybe it can flow, but it will hemorrhage money. So yeah. just they just stop it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know what they do with them. That's like. Question mark. No point of producing the oil if you're not making money, right? Yeah, so that's a question mark. Like, what happens with all these wells after five years or six years? So, I mean, and yeah. you're supposed, like, you look at the, uh, um, uh, all the field development plans and all the uh, funding and everything, They these wells were promised to work for 20 or 30 years, and they're not. So. And it just doesn't, yeah. This episode is brought to you by our partners over at Datagration. For EMP companies, the goal today is not to just maximize production, but also select the well-defined opportunities and execute the best possible scenario to maximize return on investment. For example, there was an operator in the Middle East that approached integration with very specific objectives. They needed a platform that could recommend well candidates for workover or infill drilling. They wanted to see them ranked by financial metrics, production, probability of success, and other technical indicators. The platform also needed to anticipate risk mitigating actions to enhance and ensure reservoir production by recognizing certain patterns and common failures, using a problem score to identify issues on underperforming wells. But the operator reservoir conditions and well performance parameters are continually changing and a lack of automation inhibits the desire for continuous well optimization. By implementing the Petrovisor platform, the operator was able to integrate data from flat files, simulation outputs, static and dynamic models, and legacy data, thus creating a single version of the truth with data available for all disciplines, operator, managers, production engineers, and reservoir engineers. The operator streamlined the process for both well placement and workover candidate selection. They were able to gain real-time performance monitoring and feedback to further validate selection process in future fields and delivered an MPV improvement of $751 million, 33%, and reduced CapEx by $15.4 million, 34%. You want to see if they can do the same thing for you? Go check them out at datagration.com. Is there a potential business model for somebody to go in and take these kind of, the that was map CMV and go and find some of these wells people have offloaded after five years because they're just like, well, shit, these things are not economical anymore. 
And could these things kind of revive those wells or is yeah, there just no hope? Yeah, that's uh, actually, those are the candidates. Those are the candidates. Yeah. Okay. okay. So if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, if you're an engineer and EMP listening to this, I mean, if you already have a lease that's built out with all of your surface facilities, it may not make sense to go back and retrofit with all of this. I mean, is it more of a fit for uh, companies that have new assets it's a the, the, both for uh, both both new assets and old assets because uh, even if you have existing production or an or, or like say five year old field, uh, you have all those facilities. So if you look at for example in that brochure, it's in the first page. It's just it's just a random picture we took from I think it's the lower basin. Yeah, and that's uh, they use like the uh, I think the state of the art. What they do is they have uh, like an inline arrangement of. Um, uh, well pads mm-hmm. and then in between they have the uh, facilities but still there's there's a lot of them like 15 yeah. or so and if you can consolidate that into one I mean it's uh, it's, it's what they I think what everybody has been trying to do which is the uh, economies of scale yeah and mm-hmm. uh, since you're you have you're gonna have larger volumes in one place you can just increase your slightly your vessel size and Mm-hmm. You're going to have, it's a physical and engineering basis basis for uh, economies of scale. Yeah. So you add that to, you know, give that to your accountants and or your uh, folks that are doing the uh, the numbers and, you know, see what it throws up. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, I, mean, I mean, it makes operations more streamlined. Uh, it's more economic. Like I mean, you mentioned. You, you, you get rid of, uh, let's say, let's say, imagine you're a very big company and you have half a million acres developed and right now for that you have to have if you're using your existing setup you have to have a gas gathering network build up mm-hmm. which is expensive for water gathering or water management oil you have to either truck it or uh, an oil gathering system and you have thousands of facilities and for for half million acres with uh, what we're proposing the idea is you just build 50 locations you connect them together, those with a ga- with a gas network, and that's it. Nothing goes to the uh, to the wells. You yeah. remove your gas gathering, you remove your oil gathering, you remove your water gathering, and uh, you strip out all of that. It's uh, and uh, and that's a big problem because, um, I mean, if you drive through Midland, it's just a huge refinery, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right now it's uh, that there's a lot of pushback from like the community and everybody to. You know, okay. What are we gonna do with this? You know, it, yeah. There, there has to be some sort of solution, or yeah. Uh, you know, try to reduce the footprint. Yeah, I was gonna say from an environmental, from an ESG perspective, it makes a lot of sense too if you can reduce the footprint. Yeah, it's just one facility. It's easier to maintain. You know, uh, if you have one or ten facilities, you yeah. know, obviously, if you have the case for one, you can put all the tech that has been showcased here. You can put it in one place, yeah. and it's easier, easily, more easily deployed than if you have ten locations or more. Sometimes it's just cost prohibitive, so yeah. you can make one gold. We call it golden plated location, <laughs> and you uh, take care of that, and uh, everybody will be happy. And yeah. that's pretty much like how they. I mean, I mean, we, had, we didn't come up with the, uh, you know, this consolidated uh, setup. You know, the this type of consolidation of. Um, uh, um, um, these consolidated facilities, they have been employed in traditional fields. 
and mm-hmm. they handle you know 100,000 barrels 300,000 barrels and they are the walls can be further away so it's that's not new it's proven yeah it's just how do you achieve that in a unconventional field yeah how do you facilitate it on and, uh, that's that's assets, the issue yeah, yeah that's the, that issue with the flow from the uh for the you know for the artificial lift from the wellbore yeah and uh, uh yeah it's just kind of tie, ties together it's yeah. uh, tied up together so it's pretty interesting that you guys correct me if i'm wrong but the trajectory of y'all's company you said you started 50 Start 15 years ago? About 15 years ago. Yeah, and so you guys really, you know, were focused on kind of more of the data and analyzation uh, part of the business, right? And then you guys got a really deep understanding of how fluids flow, and then you identified a problem in the market and used your foundation of knowledge in the sector to develop this product. It's just, it's kind of cool to see that evolution of, hey, we started here, learned a lot about this topic and then you see an opportunity in the market to develop a product or a solution for it and attack it. Absolutely correct. Yeah, that's, that was uh, the trajectory. Uh, it was uh, not only data, it's uh, data and uh, modeling. So you have to be able to predict what's happening, like a physical model. Yeah. So it's not, it's not to be confused with software or, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, or correlations. It's it's actually you have to have something that predicts what's going to happen because uh, our most of our project consulting projects were uh, our task was to prevent accidents, prevent leaks, or prevent things from from happening. So uh, and for that you have to, I mean, all the in all these companies the uh, technical teams were extremely uh, extremely well prepared and probably the toughest uh, talks I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, and uh, yeah, they ask you, hey, so how do you validate your model? How do you know it works? And what kinds of questions like this, you know? Yeah. And, uh, okay, how do you know? Like, I cannot open the pipe, so how are you going to convince me that, you know, what you're telling me is the truth? Yeah. So that has been like an ongoing thing since the started. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we have to, we had to combine, we have six uh, uh, major categories of, uh, way, six major ways of, uh, com- Getting data to validate what we're predicting from a thermographical uh, thermography, like you take a camera and look at the uh, temperature of the, the side pi- pipeline sidewall. Uh, we look at the corrosion coupons. We look at uh, production data and a bunch of other stuff. So it's kind of it's more explained in our uh, you know website because it's all technical. But yeah. whoever is interested, yeah. like that's the first question: like how do you validate your thing? And then yeah. uh, also, what was different is the way how we do it is just. It was started from scratch, you know, it's, uh, yeah, uh, we had to be very precise, like our, why are we different? Like everybody says they're different, but why specifically we're different? Like our approach is, uh, uh, our modeling approach had to be very, very, uh, precise in terms of like, uh, the actual pipeline length. You have to be able to predict like up to a meter, like what's happening where. So I guess I have a picture here. Let me show you. Like if you look, uh. Like before, we used to do charts like this, and folks were like, "Okay, what are we gonna do with that?" You know. Uh, <laughs> so for those who are listening, it's a really messy chart. It's, a, it's just a chart. <laughs> a lot of things. lines, a lot of colors. Lot of yeah, and then uh, you know, a couple of years ago, we realized, like, what have to? Maybe we should, you know, present uh, it in a, you know, in a more visual way. So basically, this is a three D model of the pipe. Oh, okay. Uh, this is how it looks like. All these pipelines, they, you know, they everybody says they're straight. They're never straight. There's never. They yeah. were like, it's the they, same with wells. People yeah. Always so, you got a straight well. There's and no this, uh, you know, this is like probably 
15 miles or something. So Yeah, um, really cool. Uh, so, so you guys that, take that that chart that just has a bunch of spaghetti lines on spaghetti it line. and yeah, make it into a 3D uh, model. And so do you guys, you know, since you started off kind of as this uh, consulting firm and advisory model, for a product like this, you know, if you're looking to utilize this on horizontal wells, do you guys still come in there and do you consult and advise like, hey, this is how you should actually, you know, arrange the location and we can use these units here on these wells? Like, what are the offerings around this product? I mean, does an engineer just come and say, hey, I want one of these and order one from you? Or do you guys like help them? Not sure. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a, that would be. Uh, I'd imagine it's more it, bespoke than that, especially with this model you just showed us. That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm famous for giving loaded questions. <laughs> uh, well, because uh, it's a new technology. Yeah. Usually, it's not like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna buy this and you know put it in the field. That's that never goes that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's more of a. And actually, you have to go and explain to people like, yeah. <laughs> what it what it is. Yeah. But uh, no, it it has to. We have to take care of uh, everything, like from the design to implementation. And once this become like more, uh, more common in the field, then maybe at that point it will be. Yeah. Know, like oh, you know what? I'm gonna get it. But in the first stages, yeah, we have to be yeah. there, like work hand in hand with the operator or yeah. the early adopters. Absolutely. And um, yeah, because you have to first of all, you have to identify the candidates and how you're gonna do it and what's the scope, how we're gonna. You know, have to try out the how it's gonna be like in the field. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's a. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's what I was wondering because it's like this is one. It looks cool, but it's new, right? So I'm sure that there's just a big learning curve for operators that are wanting to do it. So um, having you know, yes, I mean yes uh, and no. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, building it, hooking it up, and with uh, the way that's like. Those type of issues, we always had them in mind. So we designed the system in such a way that it's just unloaded, connected, and see what happens. Yeah. And uh, and also the, the feature of it is if something happens with your well, like let's say this is implemented you know, in, uh, further down the, the road, and uh, the benefit of this artificial lift system is uh, it's a portable one. Once your well, you know, you don't like your well, you sold your well. Or something happened. You just yeah. take your thing and you know make take it, it take it to, <laughs> yeah. to another world. <laughs> yeah, you just disconnect it and so, take it with you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very cool. And uh, and that's also for like from a standpoint of repairs, it's uh, I I don't know from where I got this, but uh, I think maybe it was when I was in New Mexico Tech. But uh, yeah, like most of this stuff has to be designed in such a way that you can go like to Home Depot or Tractor Supply <laughs> and just like. <laughs> Yeah, get some uh, be parts able to repair it. it. Yeah, yeah. Be, be able to repair like no avoid a, like vendor lock-in or like some kind of customized parts because yeah. that, that's that's uh, sometimes that's a huge challenge for um, any new technology where you have uh, uh, mm. custom parts or like lead time or repairs or maintenance. So yeah, this was designed in such a way that you know the complex part are the physics and yeah. the modeling. Yeah. Everything else is very simple. Yeah, the, the rest is just dummy iron. It's, it's not hard to, to repair. It's, uh, yeah, That's well, what field hands like. You need to be able to go get a gasket or correct. something from the correct. hardware store. Yeah, you have like uh, in the well, you have a tailpipe and then you have a uh, just standing valve. Yeah. And pretty much that's it. So if people are listening and they want to find out more about this, um, you guys have a website? Is it? 
I mean, can they just Google multiphase or what's y'all's website? Uh, our website is www.mpecorp.com. Okay. And uh, I think hopefully if you look, is, look, look us up in Google, we should show up. Should show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know with Google. But okay. So we'll uh, include a link in the show notes to multiphase. And then we'll uh, also link your uh, Victor's LinkedIn. That way you can connect with them if you want to learn more about this. It's super cool stuff. I wish, uh, I don't know, maybe if we're, you're watching the video, we can pop up a yeah, picture throw, of throw, the, throw oh, some of the images. Yeah, it's pretty, <clears throat> pretty cool looking. What are we yeah. talking about here? Yeah, but check out the website um, and see what it looks like because it's pretty cool stuff. So thanks for coming on the show and talking to us and teaching us about it, man. It's really Yeah, this is, stuff. like I said, this is completely outside the scope of anything we've had on the show before. So I think it's, it's very fascinating and I think it's, uh, it, it seems to show a lot of promise too. So Well, that's, uh, thank you for inviting me and uh, that was, I think, it was interesting how I got here because uh, I was looking at the conference Evolve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then at the last uh, session with Alan Gilmer and Mr. Chuck Yates, they were talking about, you know, the situation in the oil field. And then I remembered Mr. Chuck Yates saying, hey, maybe we should, uh, instead of putting stuff inside, maybe we should figure out how to get it out, you know? <laughs> there, there should be like some kind of friction reducer or something like that, to, you know, to make it flow. And he's not, not a technical person, but yeah. his intuition is telling him, you know what, it, this, this has to work, you know, somehow. So yeah. uh, uh, I, that got my attention. Like, this is the, probably like one of the few persons I, you know, <laughs> saw talking about this publicly. I mean, it's not- Don't, it's don't not, be fooled by Chuck. He's a smart cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like- Honestly, when I was looking at Evolve, I was like, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And I was like, who's this person who's talking about all this stuff? You know, like this. And then, you know. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm going to Google and see like, oh, okay. Yeah, Chuck so Yates, can from k <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's going to make Chuck's day. He's going he's gonna to be excited to hear that. So thanks for sharing that, man. It's uh, awesome to hear that, um, you know, that kind of validated your your idea and i think that a lot of people will be pretty fascinated by this so thanks again for coming on thanks for Thank the you. wine too brought us a couple bottles yeah of appreciate wine. that he, he knows how to get in our good graces <laughs> <laughs> awesome man if you guys are listening uh take two seconds reach out to victor check out the website uh share this with your friends and we'll catch you guys in the next episode come, 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 come.